Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So let's jump into some into a big pot of tech gumbo here. Start off with one of our favorite topics, SpaceX and their internet service Starlink has made a big jump in the number of subscribers as of late. Yeah, last time we checked in on them was somewhere back in March, and they were about 250 in December. Whenever we were checking on them, they were about 100,000. As of today, they're now over 400,000. That's pretty good growth from them. That really is. And, and it's not just in the northwest part of the United States either. This is worldwide. They've got 32 countries where Starlink will work, and... They are growing at a nice, nice clip right now. And that's one of the things which we had talked about and wondered about before, that what was their bottleneck? You know, what was stopping them from servicing those people who were on the wait list? And it, it looks like they're opening up that throttle and that they are starting to get service out to those people who were on the wait list. And I, I really still think a lot of it had to do with they needed to get to that first 2,500 satellites up there, which they now are over 2,500 satellites orbiting the Earth on their way to 12,000. These these second generations that are all laser linked back together is what has allowed so much coverage to be expanded. This is a really impressive technology. And if you are someone who wants access to technology, but you're not looking to jump on the wait list, there is Starlink RV. If you're somebody who likes to get out into the the woods and go camping or out somewhere in the remote hinterlands where you can't get cell phone coverage, well, you can take your Starlink RV dish, get your campsite set up, you prop up your, your dish out there and point it up at the sky, and now you've got your internet. It is not the normal Starlink speeds. This is instead of 50 or to 250, it's 5 to 100. So this is just enough to check the weather, check a map, you know, make sure you're not going to get rained out, and make sure you can navigate out. 
Uh, so you're not streaming Netflix out there. But if you're somewhere that you said, hey, I would like to not be completely cut off should I need to know some important information, this is a great package for you. Yeah, you can check your email. You can you can Google search some things. Maybe go to you know social media. Look at what's happening out there. And you might could get a Netflix show going. It might buffer a little bit in the middle as it as it catches up to you. If it got all the way down to the five megabits per second, but if it stays above twenty megabits, you should be okay. But it's going to fluctuate, so you got to be prepared for that. If you were interested to know where Starlink will work, they actually have a pretty cool website for it. The Starlink.com/map has the the map of all the places in the world where it currently works, all the places where they are projecting to take coverage to in 2023. And all the places where they are not projecting to take coverage to. It's really fascinating when you scroll down into the map and start looking. If you're here in Baton Rouge, you're not going to get Starlink to work until 2023. But if you go just west of the Mississippi River, literally just across the river, one mile from where I live, it will work today and you can get Starlink service. My guess is what they did here is that they found the areas that have less population density. Maybe they have less internet speeds. They have other factors at play there. And so that's where they targeted the service towards because those people who are more likely going to need the satellite internet. Whereas if you live in Baton Rouge, chances are you already have access to high-speed internet through Cox. If you live in New Orleans, you live in Lafayette, you already have a pretty strong, pretty stable internet service provider. And so they are targeting that West Baton Rouge area and areas like that because that's much less likely to have that powerful internet backbone. And when you look at the map, you can tell the vast majority of the geography west of the Mississippi River is available to get internet, except in like Dallas or Houston, the big, big population markets. But if you're out there and you need internet, now you can get it. As you're saying, Denver doesn't, but the, almost the entire state of Wyoming does. Moving along, it's been a while since we've talked about 5G or any kind of cellular. And it, we saw a couple of stories this week, as it turns out, the U.S. several years ago, on we talked how the U.S. had banned Huawei from its 5G cellular towers because the Chinese government owned it. Well, looks like Canada has done the same now. Canada has banned Huawei and ZTE from the 4G and 5G networks. This is a decision that they're making for the same reasons that we made it, that the presence of Huawei and ZTE is too closely linked to the Chinese government and what the Chinese government can be doing on the networks, cybersecurity issues, and it's a decision that is tough and, and carries a lot of complications, but Canada believes strongly in it and the ban goes at least through 2024. So they mean it. Absolutely. And when when we say things like, because what the the Chinese government can do when they start putting additional software into these 5G cell sites that can read traffic and read information flowing across these cell sites and report that back. Well, gee, if you have some highly sensitive information and 
they put a 5G cell site right out of the gov- outside of the governmental building. And you think those politicians or important people inside those buildings are, are not going to be using their cell phones? Exactly. Could be the cell towers. It could also be 5G devices, end devices. And as you pointed out, just have that extra software that is there to, to look around and see what it can find. Here in the U.S., the only people who can spy on us are private companies, not foreign governments. That is where we draw the line. Someone has to be making a profit off of it in order for it to be okay. China cannot do it to us. They cannot do it to Canada. That is the cybersecurity decision that is made here. It's also the United Kingdom and and several of the European nations have also chosen to have that same ban on on Huawei and, and ZTE. So we're not alone. This is definitely a a uniform move across a lot of the Western developed world. Moving along, it appears that we in America like big cell phones, but we're just not a big fan of the folding phones yet. I I think that's the right qualifier there on the end of that is that yet word that you said. The folding phone, the, the Google Flip or whatever that they're calling it, the Galaxy Flip, it's really expensive and I just don't trust it yet it looks good they have some stylish flashy commercials but i i just don't quite trust it yet and so i want to see another generation or two i want to see those phones stick around for two or three years before i really believe that they can handle what they say they can handle oh i absolutely agree you look at like the microsoft duo at least it's got hinges in between the two separate screens, whereas the Samsung phones or the Motorola phones, that it's just one big screen with that plastic. Every time you open and close, open and close, open and close, over time, that plastic has got to start giving out. And that just makes me nervous. Yeah, I agree. There was the problem a while back whenever they uh, were initially going to launch the foldable phone that it was creasing in the middle and they had to recall them and hold them for a period of time and work that out. And this is, this is the generation after that. And so it is supposed to be better. They are supposed to have ironed out the kinks, but I, I still am waiting one more generation. And we, we see that it's not just the foldable phones. We also see the small phones. The iPhone mini is the worst selling of the new iPhone models at 56% of the demand for the regular model. When you look at those foldable phones, when you fold that thing in half, it's now twice as thick as your regular cell phone, your you know, iPhone 13 or whatever number we're at nowadays. And so if you put the iPhone 13, like I, I keep mine in my front pocket of my pants, well, you can't really tell I've got a cell phone there, but you put that double-sided thing, now all of a sudden the the additional weight and the additional thickness, that's a big drawback for me. It all of a sudden looks like a second wallet in your pocket. You have the, the wallet in your back pocket and you have a wallet in your front pocket. It is going to move around differently because it's the weight is distributed differently. And it's for some people who have maybe pockets that aren't quite as deep, then if your phone's not sticking out, there's pluses and minuses to it. I could see the argument being made in both directions on would you want a phone which is twice as thick but half as long, or do you want the the current iteration of the phone design? 
and so currently the folks in the United States are voting with their wallets and their wallets are not voting for, for the foldable phones. Another interesting thing we, we saw this week, if you're using AT&T wireless, when you make a 911 call, they now know exactly where to send help. Previously, they had been able to narrow it down to the cell tower, but cell towers, especially the old 3G towers, could go out as far as 10 miles. That really doesn't narrow down, whereas the new technology that they're uh, rolling out can narrow your location down to within 50 meters or about 150 feet. It makes a huge difference when, like, if you're here in Baton Rouge near LSU's campus, if you draw a circle 10 miles around, well, you're on the other side of the river in Port Allen or Brulee. You could be up in Baker. You're, up, you're almost halfway through Baton Rouge. That's probably 15, 20 different fire stations alone that, you're, that are inside that 10-mile radius. So that's very difficult to try and send help to that. Whereas, oh, within 50 meters? Yeah, I know where to go now. That is your front yard minus your backyard is about 50 meters. And so they could tell the address as opposed to being able to tell what city. And so that's a huge difference. And whenever you're in these you know, 911 emergency situations, those seconds really matter. Good for AT&T to have upgraded their, their 911 uh, tracking system to draw down exactly where you are to get you the help that you need. And in doing this story, we were also doing a little bit of talking about phone systems in general. And it came from the conversation that we were having of, well, didn't they already have this technology? And then we just started thinking about the history of phone towers and the fact that it all used to be physical systems and how they all linked together. So having spent almost 35 years now working in the IT and telecom industry, starting off in the telephone industry, it has been a, a, a tremendous change to see where it all was versus where it all is now. Really is interesting how much it's changed and how the incredible it is that you can pick up a phone anywhere and call anywhere. It used to be back in the 70s and 80s, if I picked up a phone, if I was at LSU in college and I wanted to call my parents down in Morgan City, when I when that phone call started, that tied up a, a direct circuit the whole way through. There was no packets of information floating around. That was a dedicated circuit for the entire length of that phone call. That meant that it was expensive to do that. Whereas when you make a phone call today, that call is going across the internet and it's packets of data that are floating all across the internet in multiple directions and multiple channels to all get back to the other end of the internet that you're talking to and the packets all realign and, and everything gets set up properly so you hear the conversation. It was not like that not too very long ago. The progress that we've made with cell phone technology, it, it truly, it, it's wild to me to think about how not that long ago, how different it was. Because another one of the questions that I asked was, been in New York City for about three years now, and I've moved around three different times, but I've kept the same phone number. And how if you used to have to move, that would change your phone number. 
because it used to matter and your phone number is based upon an area code and prefix in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that you can just take with you and you'll have the rest of your life. But it used to be if you lived in one part of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you had a, a 225769 prefix. But if you moved just 10 miles to the other side of town, you're going to have a, a, a 225216 phone number or a, or a 388 number or your prefixes were based upon what part of town you were in and you could not just take your phone number with you when you moved across town much yeah. less across the country these are all changes that have happened within my lifetime and i was coming of age just on the other side of them and so all i've ever known is one phone number one phone number as the house wherever we grew up and then one phone number is my cell phone number, and I've moved eight times in the past nine years, but uh, you know, I still have the same phone number. I just could not imagine trying to sit there and tell all of my friends, "Hey, you know, I'm at this new number now. Make sure you call in the new one, not the old one." That just that just, it's incredible how much change that brings. Well, because you don't, you're not old enough to remember when you moved to the other side of town, when someone would call your old phone number, you would get that recording. This number is no longer in service. The new number is. And so you'd have to write down that. And you might take you two or three times to call back to, to get the number right because you may have not written it down the first time or two. And it was a very frustrating process to go through. And once you got all of that straight, then that's how you kept up with people. But if if you went more than a year without calling your friend, then you didn't have to, you couldn't find the number that way. You had to call 411 to get information. That, it just sounds like a, a whole process I'm glad we do not have to deal with anymore. Well, instead of Googling somebody's phone number, you called 14111 and that was 10 cents or 25 cents per time you called but you could get the information you needed. I, I'm sure that it worked. I'll take your word for it. Based upon what we had to work with at the time, that was cutting edge stuff. And the fact that if I needed to, I could call 1411 and have them give me a phone number for somebody who lives in Queens, New York, they could do that for me as well. It cost a little more money for them to get that phone number, but that was a service that was available. I mean, it made a big difference just to be able to do that. So if I forgot your phone number, if you moved from one apartment from Brooklyn into Queens, you'd not only your phone number changed, but your area code would have changed. And I remember what a big deal it was when they started making people in New York City do 10-digit dialing to call anywhere in the five boroughs. Yeah, I'm sure that added a lot because New York City already very much has its own identities for Brooklyn versus Manhattan versus the different parts of Queens. And so, you know, trying to cram that many people onto one phone system or, or a dozen phone systems, however many they needed to run all the wires. Yeah, I bet moving to that 10 digits was a, a huge step for them. Well, and, and I was working for a, a phone company here in Louisiana back in the late 90s when Louisiana went from two area codes to five. And it took an entire year to transfer all of those phone numbers. And, and there was a, a time, it was a very frustrating, very difficult time 
to work with clients. And it's just really good that now the vast majority of everybody just uses their cell phone number and they can take numbers where and go where they want and not have to worry about changing their phone numbers just because they changed an address. We thank you for joining us on this episode of Tech Gumbo. We do talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. You can also always text us 225-255-0431. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.